All right, now as we continue in worship this morning, we are going to be hearing a message from God's Word through one of our guest speakers. You see, our lead pastor, Pastor Caleb Campbell, is currently on sabbatical. So Pastor Caleb has served our church community for 15 years, and our board of directors has asked him to take this extended time of rest so that he can be rejuvenated and revived to come back and to serve us even better in the years to come. So this morning, it is um, our honor to introduce an awesome guest speaker. We've got Michelle Duarte, who serves in the East Valley. Yeah, Pastor Michelle uh, moved to Phoenix from Brazil a few years ago, and he has served our church family in various ways, which include uh, preaching and serving together in the Surge Network uh, leadership, together with our lead, Pastor Caleb, and uh, also leading the Daniel Initiative, which I've just talked about. And uh, now, it is my pleasure to bring to us a man of God, a servant of God, a pastor, Pastor Michelle. Let us put our hearts together and give him a warm welcome to DSBC. Nicholas, thank you, Amy. Pray with me one more time. Lord Jesus, um, thank you that we're here. Thank you that we're your people, that you allow us to gather together here, together with brothers and sisters that have gathered, that are still gathering throughout the world to worship you, to hear your word. Lord, I pray that you help our minds um, be still and be quiet in your presence as you speak to us, Lord. Help us focus on your word and your work in our lives and through our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, the first time that I, I got to come and preach here, it was right during the lockdown, the beginning of the pandemic. And I must say, I love seeing real people in, like in the seats. The first time I came here, Pastor Caleb said, imagine that you see people sitting here. I was like, I can't imagine that. I just see empty seats. So I'm so glad to be here with you this morning. I'm glad to see real people and that we can worship together this morning. And um, a little bit more background about me. So um, born and raised in Brazil, met my wife in Turkey. So she was um, sent by a church here in this valley to Turkey. She's you know, we, a Brazilian and uh, you know, in America, that's where we go to meet, right? Turkey. So we're both serving the church there. And long story short, that's how I ended up in Arizona. And another personal connection uh, with you guys is a few years ago, we started a landscaping business with the goal of hiring refugees. And one of our first clients was the SBC. So I actually know every inch of this campus, like literally. <laughs> I've, you know, yeah, I had nightmares about sprinklers breaking and stuff when I was like, you know, it wasn't our first big clients that we had. But I also got to pray a lot for you guys because... I know that takes 45 minutes to blow your, your parking lot clean with the little blower. Yeah, I got to do that too. So I was like, oh, just pray for everyone in this church, for every ministry, for every pillow. Just like take the time to pray. So I, I feel connected to you guys in some strange ways that you might not expect. So this morning, if you have your Bible with you, I, I hope you do have a Bible or, or an app some way. We're going to be looking at the book of Daniel. 
So the prophet Daniel. And it's a very special uh, book in the Bible for me for so many reasons. And I'll explain a little bit. But if you have it, you can have it open there. And we're also going to look at a little bit in Jeremiah, which is just a little before that. But if you have your Bible with you, have it open in the first chapter of the prophet Daniel. So I hope none of you had to experience this. But the people of Israel, um, they were what was called in exile during the book of Daniel. Right? They were taken from their country. All, all the smart people, all the good-looking people, they were all taking us captives to, to Babylon. And that was a strategy. When, uh, when a powerful king would come and conquer a country in those days, you know, one of the options was to just wipe them out, kill, kill everyone. Or if you didn't want to destroy them, you could take the main people, the, all the leaders, all the smart people, take them to back to your country and just have them assimilate into your culture and then there you go. You have an extension of your country now in the other country because it becomes one culture, right? So I'm going to talk from the perspective of it as an immigrant, but I'm going to connect that to our life as, as Christians in general. So when you, when you come, like just so I know, how many people here were not born in the U.S. that you immigrated to the U.S.? Wonderful. All right. So I'm not alone here. Any Brazilians? Yeah, that's all right. Um, so if you, if you came to this country as an immigrant, by the way, I, I said that and I know you mean like, you know, first generation, but if we keep going, you know, all of you pretty much <laughs> are an immigrant in a way. So, but if you come as a new immigrant, right, if you came here first generation, so I moved to the U.S. about 13 years ago. So when you come to a culture that's so powerful, like, you know, U.S. American culture, like you have, you know, you have pretty much two options. So one of them is you cannonball straight into the river of American culture and you just go down into it and you pursue the American dream and you like adapt and you forget who you who you are where you came from and you just like you know try your best to learn English and you know eat American food and all that so that that's when you assimilate right so that's one option the second option is you isolate and you don't have that here in Arizona but like if you go to Florida for example or to Boston for some strange reason, there's over 10,000 Brazilians in Boston. So you can go to a street that it's everyone there, it speaks Portuguese, you can go to a bakery, you know, with all Brazilians. You can basically be in a community of Brazilians here. And Florida is the, you know, is the Latin American capital of the world, of course, you know, because you can find Portuguese speakers. And, you know, I was walking in Miami one day and this lady grabbed me by the arm and asked me in Portuguese, where is hotel so-and-so? I look at her and it's like, how do you know I speak Portuguese? <laughs> it's like, oh, everyone here speaks Portuguese. She's <laughs> like, all right, okay. So, that, you know, so there's, like, there's places where basically you can isolate and just become your, your group of people, right? So that, that, that's the main pressure that the people of Israel, so the people of God, God's chosen people, they were taking us captives and they arrive in Babylon and they say, we're not going to mix with this pagans, these terrible people. We're going to stay outside of the city. We're going to just pitch our tents here. They brought us here. They forced us to come here, but we're not going to become one of them. We're not going to be part of the city, right? So they isolated. And then, you know, they had their prophets saying, yes, you're going to, you know, resist this enemy, this evil, and they're, you know, God is going to honor you, and they're going to be destroyed, and they're going to be in charge again. Until we see that there's a different option, right? So 
we ha and obviously we have the ones that is like, yeah, forget it. Let's just dress like, like them. Let's talk like them. Let's just be like them. And, you know, our lives would be easier. But then the third option that we're going to see that's embodied by Daniel and his friends is the op option of being faithful, a faithful presence in that place. Right? And you can see that option in chapter 29 of Jeremiah. So chapter 29 of Jeremiah is, here's the people of Israel hating being in Babylon. They've been defeated by Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, and they're humiliated, taken back to Babylon, and they're saying, we're not having it. We're not going to be part of this nation. And they had some prophets that affirmed that. But God speaks through Jeremiah and sends them a different message. And it's a letter to the exiles in chapter 29, starting verse 4. It says, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Notice that God's saying, you think it was Nebuchadnezzar that defeated you and carried you there? Yeah, yeah, but I allowed him to do that. I carried you to Babylon. And then it says, build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and, and give your daughters in marriage. So that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. So the people of Israel are saying, no way. There's no way we're going to do that. That's not, that can't be God. But that's exactly what God was telling them. And he was saying to them, it's like, your options are not to isolate, to keep in your ghetto outside of the city. I'm inviting you to be a blessing to this place. I'm actually telling you that this is the way for your own prosperity. The way for your own well-being is that you work for the prosperity of the people that you hate right now. Because when it says pray for the city, work for the prosperity of the city, it's actually talking about praying and working to see people who they consider to be their enemies prospering, right? So it's easy for us to read stuff like this and be like, yeah, 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 whatever. No, no, it's talking about that neighbor that you don't like. It's talking about that person that voted in the opposite direction that you think they should have voted. It's talking about the person who talks with an accent, who eats strange food, who talks in a strange way, like all those different people. Everyone, God is saying, you are here because of them, like for their good and for your own good, right? So we're going to see, there's some three things here that I want to look at this text and see what God is teaching us from the example of the lives of Daniel and his friends. So among the young people that it says that, you know, King Nebuchadnezzar had ordered to be taken to, to, to Babylon, it says in verse 6, among those, were, among those who were chosen, some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them the new, new names. To Daniel, the name of Belshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Mezach. To Azariah, Abednego. Right? Okay, so quick side story. So my name is Michelle. I know it's a girl's name. And I, you know, and people like try to pronounce it different when I say it. It's like, no, just pronounce like, pronounce like Michelle, like your, your girl's name. I, I can't pronounce your Michelle's girl's name, but pronounce the way you know it. It's fine. And then they say Michael anyway. 
So when I came into the US, they, they give him the option, especially when I became a US citizen, they said, do you want to change your name? I was like, nah, just stay with it. Because I tried when I first came. And people said, do you want to go by Michael? I said, sure. And then for like a month, people tried Michael, and people would be like, Michael, Michael, Michael. And I'm like, I was like, and then my wife was like, they're talking to you. It's like, oh, I, I, I can't do this new name thing. But that's exactly what happened to Daniel and his friends. They gave new names. They gave them a new name. Because now they're in a new country. They had to use names that people could pronounce. I'm sorry, I, I'm not as good as Daniel. So that, that was the reality. And when you come, when you come into a new nation as, a, as, as an immigrant, you're constantly being faced with that, right? You're constantly being pressed. You either assimilate or you isolate. But most of you were born here. So what the heck, what does that have to do with me? You're probably thinking right now. So if you are a follower of Jesus, and you've noticed that being a follower of Jesus is not a cool thing right now. It's not like well seen and accepted, right? So you are in the same terms. Like Peter says in, in his letter, that he calls us exiles in the same way. We're foreigners. So even if you're born and raised here, I know it's hard for you to picture, but in a way you are foreign and exiled, just like me and Nicholas and the other people who weren't born here, right? The difference is, like, just like, you know, for people who were born here, it's like a fish. If you ask a fish about water and the fish is like, I don't know what you're talking about, right? You can't even, you don't know the difference anymore, right? For people who immigrate here, you, you still have that sense. You can see that there's things that are different. And that's why we're going to see the importance of us seeing ourselves as exiles in this world. It's because when you realize that as a follower of Jesus, you have these this three options, right? You can assimilate, you can isolate, or you can be a faithful presence. So let's learn from Daniel and his friends what are some of the ways we can do that. So from verse, um, verse 8 on chapter 2, so if you look at verse 8 from chapter 2, Uh, sorry, chapter 1, verse 8. It says, But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. As a Jew, his identity, who he was, one of the main important things for a Jew is what they ate and what they didn't eat, right? So if you're an immigrant, you come to the U.S., and that was one of my first shocks is like, where is real food? Like, fast food is not real food. Like, you know, we kept saying, where, where's the rice and beans? Where's the meat? Where's the barbecue? You know, like, we barbecue in a very different way. It takes all day. Anyway, if, if you like meat, come to Brazil. Um, if you don't, uh, not a good idea. Um, so, like, that was the first cultural shock, right? So they get there, and in their case, they're offering all these amazing things from the, from the king's table, right? Like, you're going to eat very well because you want it to be just like us by eating our food. And in their identity as Jewish, Jewish people, Jewish young boys, they're like, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to eat your food. But the key thing I want to point out here is his character, his resolve. He decided in his heart, I'm not going to do this. And that's the first thing that the lesson we can learn from Daniel and his friends, that they decided, I'm not going to be like everyone else. So as a Christian, it's very easy for us to be like, and, you know, I don't want to you know, rock the boat. I don't want to be the weird guy at work. I don't want to be the weird guy at school. I, I'm just going to be quiet. You know, I'll, I'll keep my faith private. I'll be quiet about it. No, nobody needs to know. And if there is a chance, then I'll, I'll share something. Right? So that, that is the, when you're assimilating, like where nobody knows anymore who you are. So you're just like being quiet about it. 
So in their case, they're saying, no, we're not going to be, we're not going to eat the same food. But they did get the education. They went through the whole process of being trained to be part of the king's staff, basically to work with the king. They went through all that process, but he had a very clear sense that there is boundaries. There's things that I'm not going to become like everyone else. And the next thing we see about Daniel and his friends is about his prayer life, right? We know that the people of God, you know, are supposed to be a people of prayer. In chapter 6, if you grew up in the church or if you're familiar with the Bible or if you ever heard, there's a story of Daniel in the lion's den, right? So basically there was an edict, there was a law that was passed that nobody could worship any other God except the God of Babylon, right? The statue that they had made. So, and of course, Daniel kept praying. So this is what happens when he finds out. Verse 10 of chapter 6. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to, God, to his God, just as he had done before then. Three times a day with his window open towards Jerusalem. So if you are a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, I'm not talking about a quick prayer as you put your shoes on out of the door. I'm talking about a whole life that is geared, that is totally facing uh, the, the presence of God. Because what was at the heart of Jerusalem? Bible quiz. What was the heart of Jerusalem? Big building. The temple. What is in the temple? God's presence. It's not a tricky question. I know there's, there's other things there, but the, the point is like it was representing God's presence. So as an Israelite living in a foreigner land, his mind, his heart, his whole physical posture, everything he did every day, three times a day. Why three times a day? Because that's the same schedule of the sacrifices and the offerings that are being made at the temple. So he was still living. He was in a totally different country. But his in, inner body clock and orientation, everything was still focused where he knew his identity was in God as God's people. So as a Christian, it's very easy for us to forget that and to keep something where we're like, well, I go to church on Sunday. That's, that's enough, right? That I, oh, I pray every now and then. It's like, no, your whole life, everything you do is in, in, in designed to remind of who, where you come from and who you belong to. Your identity doesn't come from something you do once a week. It comes from who you are in relationship to God every day of the week, right? And another thing, last thing that I want to see is from back in the beginning of uh, the book of Daniel in chapter 2, verse 17. So chapter 2 has a very interesting story. I highly encourage you to read the, you know, the book of Daniel, especially the first few chapters. So the kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar had this dream. And he dreamed of this big statue, beautiful statue of a head of gold, chest and arms of silver, and it goes all the way down to feet of clay and iron, right? And he had this dream, and he was like, you know, asking all the wise men, all the people who worked for him to come and, and tell him his dream and interpret the dream. But here's the thing. He didn't tell them the dream. And they were saying, tell us the dream, and we'll interpret it for you. And it's like, no, you tell me the dream and tell me the interpretation, or I'm going to kill you. So they said, we can't do that. Like, if you tell us, no, he woke up in, you know, wrong side of the bed. He was mad. It's like, if you don't tell me the dream, I'm killing all of you. So they said, sorry, we can't do that. So he's ordering them to all be killed. So Daniel and his friends, they're among those who are supposed to be killed. 
And they find out that the king had this dream and he's wanting interpretation. For some reason, he wasn't part of the people who showed up for that first meeting. They find out later when the guy comes to say, hey, I'm here to kill you. How would you like that? You know, knock on the door. Yeah, the king, this happened. He said, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. Ask, ask the king. I want to come and talk to him. But first, he goes and talks to his friends. So let's look at chapter uh, 2, verse 17. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Okay. He just found out that they're all about to be executed. Not a good day. He goes home to his roommates and says, Guys, prayer meeting, urgent prayer meeting, let's pray. And they're praying like their lives depend on it. Because it did, right? So when was the last time that you prayed like your life depended on it? Maybe some of you have received the bad news from the doctor at some point, or you knew someone close that you loved that received. Like, you know, like, there's moments in life where you pray like your life depends on it. That was the situation there. They were praying because they knew the only way out of this is if God shows up and does something. And he shows in this verse that he's dependent on God. They say, let's, let's pray together. But he also say, says that they're, they're dependent on one another. They say, let's pray together. Let's seek God for his mercy. And something about not assimilating or isolating as a Christian in this culture, being faithful, requires you to actually be faithful into community with others, with people that are walking together with you following Jesus. And there's something very, very pressing that always says that it's all about being you and the individualism, being isolated, just, you know, do your own thing. And we see that Daniel is modeling to us that he learned to depend on God, yes. He had a prayer life that showed his devotion, that his life was really, a, everything he did was an expression to who he was in relationship to God. But he also did that in community. He's over and over going back to his friends. And we see throughout the book of Daniel all the amazing things that they do together. So maybe this is a moment for us to pause for a second and ask yourself, am I prone to assimilation? Am I the kind of guy that likes to keep it private? Am I the kind of person that likes to keep it private and be quiet about it? Not, not you know, be the weird person or, you know, the pushy person or whatever. Just, just don't say anything. Or are you the isolating type of person that don't have any non-Christian friends, that all your friends are Christian, You've only known Christian circles. You only, like, everything you do is, like, protected and isolated. Or are you being a faithful presence into this place? Maybe we're probably a mix of it. Most of us are a mix of it in different days, depending on the day. But here's something that I specifically say to immigrants, right? Going back to, to, to the perspective as an immigrant. When, when we come here, we're pressed to adapt into American culture. We're, our church has just been helping some refugees from Afghanistan. And right away, they're being pressed to, like in their case, they're Muslim. They can only, like, you know, we delivered some food and the chicken wasn't halal. And they're like, is it halal? I was like, no. So like, like I, I encountered the stuff like right there, like this is with Muslim people here. I can't eat that because it's not halal. If it was a Jew, it'd be kosher, right? So that's the same thing. As an immigrant, you're constantly being pressed to adapt, to just like, ah, forget about this halal thing, forget about whatever, just, just adapt, just to be part of it. 
But here's the thing. Both for us as an immigrant, like the, 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 main, the main way I can be faithful to God is for me to be the best version of a Brazilian Christian that I can be to you. The main way that uh, a Kenyan, a Nigerian, Ethiopian, an Indian, uh, Honduran, whatever Christian can be a blessing to the American church is for us to be the best version of what we can be to the American church. If we adapt and become just like every other American, church, American Christian, we are robbing the people around us from the gift that God has given us. As a Christian, if you've been born here, if you just adapt and become just like everyone like, uh, is around you, you're robbing the people around you from the blessing that God has given you. By, by maybe even just saying like, when someone just shared some bad news, by just saying, hey, I know, I know this might sound weird, but can I pray for you? Like maybe that's a simple, the beginning is just like, can I pray for you? And that's exactly what Daniel does. Like the, the king give him, tells him this, you know, this dream. And he reinterprets the dream and said, hey, king, I know you think you're the big dog because like you are no king of kings and use even that, that term. But actually there is a real king that's going to end with all this. And that's how we're going to see at the end of the story. But by being faithful to who you are as a Christian, where you are, at work, at school, whatever sphere of life you are, you're actually being a blessing like we're supposed to be from Jeremiah 29. And here's an interesting fact. Babylon was known for their hanging gardens. So we don't know if they were known for their hanging gardens. I, I, I tried, I did a lot of research to figure out the timing from when the, on, you know, Israel was captive in Babylon. It was about the same time. So I know they were there. Um, but we don't know if they became known for the, the hanging gardens or, or if the people of God were planting gardens, God told them to plant gardens because Babylon was a place full of gardens and God said, hey, you know what? The best way for you to be a blessing in your neighborhood, they love gardening, plant gardens, right? So maybe that's one option. God just said, hey, just do what they're doing there because they love gardens. And you know what? I love gardens. I, I put a men and women in the garden, right? So, so that's one option. The other option is, Babylon may have become known for the hanging gardens because God told them to plant gardens. Basically, the Jewish people could have been the ones that made Babylon become so beautiful because they were planting gardens. And that's what happens when you are who you're supposed to be where you are. When you are God's people, where God has planted you, and you're using your gifts for the common good, for the good of everyone, you actually make that place a blessing to them, but also to you. Because it says, when they prosper, you too will prosper, right? And God has his purposes and his ways of working. So the best way for a Brazilian, for an American, Arizona, whatever you were born, is for us to be who God has made you to be with the gifts that he's given you where you are. To not assimilate, to not isolate, but to be a faithful presence. Amen? So as, as, a, as a Christian, that's, the, that's our invitation, Right? It's for us to look, what are the gifts that God has given me? What are the things that God is, is, is doing in my life? Maybe you're even feeling challenged that, that God wants you to truly orient your life like Daniel did, where three times a day, like I actually have alarms on my watch. We're practicing you know, something that's known as fixed hour prayer in our church. So I actually have on my watch alarms that remind me to pray. So maybe that's it. Put in your, in your, in your phone or in your watch, whatever, just to remind you to pray. And remember to, remember, to remind you throughout the day who you are. So that you can be who God has called you to be where you are. Right? So that's, that's an encouragement. 
And maybe you're not sure where you are in your journey of Jesus. Maybe you're not a Christian yet. Maybe you're still thinking. So here's the thing about the, the dream of the statue that Nabucodonosor had. And he was like, great, I'm sure I'm the head of gold. But it ends with the feet of clay and iron. And it talks about the rock that was cut not by human hands. That then was cast against that, 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 the feet of the statue. And the whole statue collapses. And it's gone, vanishes, right? So each one of those parts of the statue represents kingdoms, right? And we know Babylon and then Roman Empire. And, you know, every, every kingdom that was that powerful in the world, they all thought they would last forever. Like, we, you know, maybe, maybe that, that's our turn right now. We think America is going to be on the top forever. We don't know. I know that based in history, every powerful kingdom in the world has passed. But there's one kingdom that never passes. That's the kingdom of God. And we know that, that the rock represents Jesus. And we know, too, that most of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we're all trying to build our own kingdom. Maybe the, you know, the center of your kingdom is your house, is your castle, is like, you know, whatever, like your, the, the reputation you're trying to build, your career, whatever you're pursuing. But the thing is, it doesn't matter how hard you work to build your own kingdom, it says it will pass away, too. The only way that won't pass away is if you trust that there is a king that's eternal, that he has died for you, that he has laid down his life for you, and he came to reverse our idea of power and building kingdom by showing that the best way for us to, to gain a life is actually to surrender our lives, is to give our lives and to trust that he is the king of our own lives. So as, as we uh, end this time today, my prayer is that whatever you are in your walk with Jesus, that Daniel's example will help us be more faithful. It doesn't matter if you were born in this country. It doesn't matter if you are a fresh immigrant. That we're all going to have the same minds of an exile, leaving this place, knowing that our calling is to be a faithful presence. And I'll dare say a subversive faithful presence. You know, and the kind that, like Daniel, was serving in the Babylonian government. So he learned about you know, magic and all the things that says in chapter one, like, go, go figure that out. Like, he, he actually had to study all that stuff. Like, he was learning to all the things in the literature. He became just like the Babylonians. He knew on the outside, he knew how to navigate that culture. So there's nothing wrong with, with like, being a good American, being a person that understands America, that loves America. But remember, just like Daniel, that your true king is somewhere else that your true kingdom is somewhere else, and that everything you do here, the best way for you to be the best American possible is actually for you to remember that you belong to King Jesus and to his kingdom, the eternal kingdom. Let me pray. Father, I pray, Lord, um, that you please continue to shape us, Lord, that you continue to change us, that you continue to form us into the kind of people you want us to be. Lord, I pray for every, every family for every person that is here this morning, Lord, and whatever they are in their walk with you, Lord, that you um, begin to, to steer something up in their lives, Lord, that uh, makes them desire to, to orient their lives towards you, Lord. That our daily posture, that whether we're on our knees or driving or at work, whatever we are, Lord, that we know who we serve, who our true king is, Lord. Please, Jesus, I pray that for those of, uh, of us here this morning or watching us that are still not sure about Jesus, that they will take the next step, Lord. That they will take the next step. That they will also 
learn from the example of Daniel, Lord. And that will be um, the size of a presence in, in walking towards you this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.